Welcome to a football show here on the 440 Sports Network. Of course, live on a Friday morning, 8 a.m. special edition because I am exhausted. Zach Lyons, Braden Gall, welcome to the program. We've got a lot of stuff planned for you today. Zach, I am on my third cup of coffee in less than an hour. I'm running on zero cups of coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, that's a that's a borderline serial killer move, I feel like. No, I drink Celsius energy drinks. I'm not, that's not a joke, but that I've I've no. said before when the whole Ryan Tannehill recharge thing, I'm like, he's way late. I've been drinking Celsius energy <laughs> drinks for like six years. Aren't, aren't they aren't energy drinks really, really bad for your no, body? No, not though? these. These oh, okay. are like all natural energy right. drinks. Well, give us some cash, but you know, sponsor the show. Well, I have reached out to Celsius <laughs> to let them know that we have a, a very popular show nationwide and they need to, you know, jump in on this. And we have thrown three fewer interceptions in the playoffs. So that is just, true. Just want to point that out if they want to sponsor someone who doesn't throw interceptions in the playoffs. That's a low blow. I'm running on fumes, Zach. I have no, I've had no sleep all week, but I'm back in the home studio. We'll be back next week, of course, in the Cast Collective studio. And on Monday, completely all Titans, back to Titans, previewing camp, which is going to open up, of course, next week. we got a lot of fun stuff. There's a couple of Titans topics we'll get to maybe a little bit later on in the show, but mostly going to focus on the Vols. We're going to focus on media days, the players, the order of predicted finish, all the good stuff that happened down in Atlanta. Special thanks to Jay Dunn for taking care of us. They are friends with the Kingston Group, so they're not going to get angry about this. Uh, the Kingston Group, of course, is our title sponsor here on the football show. BuildKG.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Have a conversation with them, of course, before we do anything else. All right, what else do people need to do uh, to get involved in the in the product? There, they Zach? need to head over to the YouTube channel, 440 Sports YouTube channel. If Listen, if for whatever reason you don't like the green emblem, head over to uh, the Broadway Sports Media channel and subscribe <laughs> there, too. We, do, we just need you to subscribe, watch, and interact. We're on Facebook. You can subscribe and interact and set notifications yep. on over there. We're also on Twitter. You can turn on notifications. Now, I don't think they fixed their algorithm to be able to uh, interact with us. You won't be able to tell us how stupid we are or how smart we are. You got to do that at Facebook and YouTube. So head over to those pages. Head over to all all, all of them. Just Go all the, the places. The Facebook, all the places. Turn on the notifications. Yeah. And that way you know phone rings vibrates once you kind of ignore it if it vibrates three times then you know that the show is on yes and and normally you wouldn't need to like guess on a friday morning if we're coming on or not again this is a special edition that's I, why I you turn on those notifications <laughs> that's true i was traveling all week maybe there'll be some special editions later uh this summer as we now have football literally like weeks away from happening i can't i can't wait both college and pro um and, and of course again most of the time almost every time monday and thursday 1 p.m across all platforms get involved that way uh, also you mentioned the youtube page I mean, I don't know. I think 15 different videos up there from, from Atlanta. A, a lot of conversations with players up there. A lot of conversations with experts in the media. You so had a lot, a lot all of content. kinds of content this week. I mean, yeah. like you got you got to go to the 440 Sports YouTube page and check out all the work that Brains did, all the interviews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, a uh, special plug here for Lamestream Sports, our sports media and business podcast. I had about a 20-minute conversation with Herb Vincent, who is the Associate Commissioner of Communications for the SEC. He's basically number two or three in command behind Greg Sankey and got him to talk about planning the event for Nashville, potentially for next year. Also talked about what it was like immediately after the news for Oklahoma and Texas broke last year and how they like sprung into action and how they prepare his speeches and all kinds of stuff. So there's literally wall-to-wall -wall content everywhere. Uh, but of course, we'll combine all of the 
the, the biggest pieces of news you need to know about SEC Media Days right here into this here show. So rate, review, subscribe, and jump in the comment sections if you have any questions. Yeah, let's wrap up some SEC Media Days because you allude to the fact that they may be coming to Nashville if you want to start there, that next year, SEC Media Days in Nashville. Yes, they'll, they'll be in Nashville next year. The question that everyone was asking is where, how, and why because the event in Birmingham, Zach, is very, very tiny. It's like this tiny condensed little hotel the Winfrey that is attached to the mall and it, it like people get packed in there and Radio Row is just like like an airplane tube it's just very but it's a little bit more charming there's a lot more fans in the lobby it's in the state of Alabama so well, on Alabama you also Auburn get Day. the benefit of a food court in the yeah, mall yeah, mm. Some would call that uh, a benefit. Others might not, myself included. Um, great no restaurant. Steak escape, you know, just douse it in uh, the steak, se- the all-purpose seasoning and some malt vinegar. Yeah. yeah, there's some really great killer barbecue joints, though, in Birmingham. And But I think Green the rest... barbecue. Oh, uh, the best. Sauce, give me sauce, Soul Kitchen. Um, I will say this. Atlanta has a far better food scene. So yeah. I like going to the Atlanta event better because of how big the city is. And I just love the culture and the food and everything better. It is far more spread out, which is nice but it is far more corporate and stale. I'm saying all of this to say, what is it going to feel like when it comes to Nashville next year? My first guess is going to be Music City Center attached to the Omni because they're across the street and the Omni is where we were all this past week. And I, I can see that being you tied into to Bridgestone. Here's the other thing. I think they want to make it more of a fan-friendly event. And I could see the Hall of Fame walk, the Hall of Fame park there by the Hilton and the Country Music Hall of Fame being very much integrated to like a fan fest so that like kids can come out. If they were smart, this is what they will do next year. And it would add charm to it. It would add some energy to it because there was none of that this week. Very, very stale, very corporate, very, it's not even chills, not even the right word. It was just sort of bleh. <laughs> will we get media passes me and you both? Cause I know you do for sec media days. Will you bring me I, along and we broadcast live? There? How, how well if are you you're gonna not be- sick of me? How well are you going to behave over the next 12 months is the question. (laughs) I mean, you know, nothing more than what I've already misbehaved already. (laughs) If you maintain status quo on misbehavior, I might be able to get you in. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they credential basically everyone. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Over, over a thousand people attend this event. And, um, listen, we'll get into some of the other stuff here as we, as we wrap up. But again, I do think if I'm get if I'm betting, I would bet Music City Center mixed with the Omni, mixed with Bridgestone, mixed with the Hall of Fame Park. That that campus looks like a top spot, in my opinion. And again, I hope they make it an outdoor event with a lot of fan stuff, punt passing kicks, punt passing kick type of stuff for kids. You know, have the players. Think you're asking for heat exhaustion. These kids to die well, from heat exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, these with with the way the world is today, I, I I agree with you. That would be that would be careful. I just again, it was just so stale, yeah. and the coaches didn't say anything at all i think one of the most interesting things to get it to real football here i think one of the most interesting things is that and i maybe i'm not in this group because i work with athlon and we put the magazine together months ago and so we have to study these teams really really carefully but we know less about these teams than ever before at this time of the year so you mean there's less clarity right i mean to clear to clarify your statement with the word clarity you mean (laughs) less clarity it's a little bit more murkier and you're kind of it's a guessing game behind the top two teams yeah and there's reasons for that number one we've had like real hard news each of the last three years you had the pandemic two years ago you had texas and oklahoma right in the middle of media days last year you had the usc ucla thing you've had name image and likeness and expansion we'll get to some of those conversations this week but you've had all this real actual big news in college football and now you've got the transfer portal so players are moving around 
LSU and Ole Miss, for example, are built almost exclusively on transfer portal players. So we just we just know less about these teams than ever before. And I find that to be really fun. Like it's really interesting to debate two through five in the East and two through six in the West. And it's just I think it's going to make for a really entertaining season. I think there's a lot of good teams. We talked about it on, on the episode on Tuesday. It's a really balanced league outside of the top with Bama and Georgia. But again, we know less about, and this goes for all of college football, we know less about these teams than ever before heading into seasons. And I find that to be a fun and positive thing if you are a fan of chaos, which I am. Yeah, I think it's I think it's funny, and we'll get to what I'm talking about later, but I think it's funny that we know less about the teams, but we know more about the student athletes. I think that is yeah. I think that is hilarious because of what you've said on this show in previous years about them allowing students to be in front of pressers and stuff. But yep. you know, let's get into this lack of clarity, or maybe we can bring some clarity. Who are the runner-ups in both these divisions? <laughs> so uh, my official prediction, my official ballot, and you feel free to comment and or destroy and or mock these all you want, Zach, and all the listeners. I'm fine with that. Um, in the East, we'll start there because obviously it's going to piss off Tennessee people. Uh, number one, Georgia with a bullet. I think they're a 14-point favorite in almost every game. I think there's maybe two games they could lose at the end of the year, Mississippi State and Kentucky. I have Kentucky at number two. I have the, the Wildcats at number two because I Even think... Even though Will Levis uh, puts mayonnaise in his coffee. I know, and he did it again. Like This is, my, this is also my problem with media days. <laughs> Like it, you can, if you try, and I like to think that we did this uh, at 440 Sports, where I I was trying to get thoughtful answers from players. I, you get nothing from coaches, but I try to get thoughtful answers from players on like real questions about why things are working at places like Tennessee and Arkansas, Mississippi State. Like, why are coaches stoops at Kentucky? Why is it working? Right? Like again, players had fantastic answers, and we'll get to some of those in a minute. Um, but you just don't like the coaches don't don't really tell you anything. But the stuff that goes viral, the stuff that like gets all the run, is all the stupid shit that doesn't actually mean anything. It's like Will Levis. Oh, we're hey, let's make him put mayonnaise in coffee. Like yeah. <laughs> we've talked about this like five times now. Let let's make him do it and drink it, and then it goes viral. And Mike Leach is going to talk about neckties and you know whatever. Like it's the stupid stuff. Like I took a video of Lane Kiffin's shoes, and like that, you know, th thousands of people wanted to see that. And I'm like, why? I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, it's the Ouroboros of like, why is content dumber? Why are consumers not wanting better yeah. content kind of thing? And again, hopefully you come here to get better content, but Kentucky, but Kentucky number two. Yeah. Kentucky number two. Interesting. Um, because I would think Kentucky has a real hard time. They have a real hard schedule this year, but they also have a real hard time beating the good teams. And I, I have to see it to believe it. I would almost say that I think Tennessee or Florida are like your 2A and 2B, and Kentucky's a f is a firmly behind them. That's where I would go. Okay. And and I think that – I think I'm going to go with the upset pick, and it's going to, again, upset the U University of Tennessee fans. I think Florida is going gonna, is gonna to be second place. Wow. Something about this okay. Florida team, Anthony Richardson – and about their coach, Billy Napier, I, I kind of believe in everything that's going on and think that, okay, Florida is going to rebound pretty quickly. They always have a lot of talent anyways. It's always about the coaching. Um, 
what can the coach do to get them and these players and utilize the talent, put them in the best place to succeed. And I think that Napier can do that. So I don't disagree with anything you just said. Um, I would love to yell at you. Maybe I'm this, a year off. Maybe I'm know, a year early. I, I think you're. I think you're a year off. But that would be my guess. But again, I you know during this time slot, people like to yell at each other. So I I should yell at you, but I don't. I disagree. I just. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I talked to a couple of different people that have Florida at number two, and and it's all the same things that you like and I like Billy Napier. I think he's he's got the right temperament and and big picture strategy to get Florida where they need to be. The administration is buying in. Um, again, I, I I'm all I the case for Florida is very easy. They have a potential superstar quarterback in Anthony Richardson. Um, so, again, the offense is going to be good. My concern with Florida is the depth of the roster because Dan Mullen's issue was that he didn't recruit well. And Kentucky, for me, this is – so my argument, we, we kind of know what Tennessee is. Right. We don't know as much about Florida. We know a lot about Kentucky. And to me, it's about the continuity. It is about the star quarterback. It's about the best running game maybe in the East outside of Georgia with Kentucky. It's about a defensive line that was the highest recruited defensive line in the history of Kentucky football from 2020 a couple of years ago. Who do you trust more to develop a defensive line than Mark Stoops, who takes nothing but two and three star players and turns them into top 10 draft picks? Now he's got four and five star players to work with. I just think that defensive line is going to be salty. They play Ole Miss and Mississippi State in crossover, which is real easy. Tennessee has to play LSU and Bama, which is not. Florida has to play LSU uh, in crossover as well. So I, it, to me, I just – there's all the things – I think the roster is deeper and more complete at Kentucky. The coaching staff is more established. They got the quarterback. I just that, – they've won 10 games twice in the last four years. Like that is already proving it to me. So – I'm all in on Kentucky at, at uh, and Florida has a absolutely disgusting schedule early, and that's why I think they're going to come out of the gate slow. And I like Tennessee at number three. Famous last words: I think Tennessee beats Florida this year. <laughs> Very famous last words. Um, so I've got Kentucky two, Tennessee three, Florida pretty clear four, and we'll talk a little bit more about South Carolina later. I've got South Carolina at at, at five. Missouri at six, Vanderbilt at seven. But to me, it's that top three, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee. You can make an argument for any of those three at two. You can make an, any, an argument for any of those teams at four. That is the great debate in the East is going to be those three teams. And I think we'll know a lot more, and Stoney brings it up, when Kentucky plays in Florida on, nine, on September 10th, which is going to be yep. a huge game. And that, will I think, will let us know where is Mark Stoops yep. at? Is he going to be able to be the team that everybody thinks he can be? Or is Florida really starting off a lot hotter than everybody expected? Yeah, nice wedding photo right there, by the way, Stoney Keeley. Congrats again on the nuptials. Um, I will say they play Utah in week one. I think they're going to lose that game. They play Kentucky, and then they play Tennessee. That is potentially three top 25 teams in the first like month of the season for Florida with a brand-new first-year coach rebuilding a roster. like that. That, to me, is a difficult – if they get through it, watch out. You're, you're absolutely right. They could be super dangerous and better than people think. I think they're more like one and one and two or one and three to start the season or two and three to start the season. And then they get better as the season goes along and they're real good in the month of November. Well, is the West any less murky or because to me, I feel no. like it is. I feel like it's Texas A&M and that's it, right? I, okay. So you're probably right about that, but I mean, again, my, or are like you Joe. saying that maybe it's Texas A&M is second? Oh, and no, you're right. Bama's second. Like no, the, no, no. Bama's Bama. Bama. It, like I think Georgia goes twelve and zero. 
and they're going to get to Atlanta, and they're going to crush people along the way. Maybe there's one loss in there somewhere. Maybe. But they're going to be 12-0. Alabama is going to be 12-0, and and it's going to look even better than Georgia. It, it, Bama is going to decapitate people. They're going to murder people. The defense is the best I've seen at Alabama in probably years. And oh, by the way, they have the best player in college football on offense and defense. Like I, it, it is, this is at Arkansas is a tricky game. At Tennessee could be tricky for a half. There's no chance Texas A&M beats them. They, they are. I've, I've never felt better about an Alabama team winning a national championship than I do this year. And that they've won seven, folks. Yeah. So, so Alabama won. I, I tried all week to find a way to move A&M down. From the two slot, I just I felt like I was spending all week going, man. I really like Arkansas. I really like Mississippi State. I think LSU is going to be better. A and M tends to lose games they're not supposed to, but but I think they're on a trajectory here for next year. And if they pick the right quarterback, they are number two. I think you're you're right. A and M is ahead of that pack, but at Mississippi State, LSU. It's like <laughs> Ar- they're in a Arkansas tier by themselves, right? Kind of. Saying he's in a tier by himself, but. The third tier, and if you were on the YouTube, you could see this. The third tier is just like right underneath them. So it's like LSU, Mississippi State, and Arkansas are like inches away from being in tier two. Like that's how yes. the margin of error for Texas A&M is slim, I think it, is what you're saying. But they yes, yes. still are clearly ahead of the other three teams. That That is a perfect way to put it. They are clearly ahead, but the margin for error is very, very small. I think that's exactly how I would explain it. And honestly, Ole Miss and Auburn are not really far off that next tier either. Like they're 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 almost. I mean, I think you could argue they're on the same tier as Mississippi State, Arkansas, LSU as well. The all five of those teams. Again, I think there will be twelve bowl teams in the SEC. Like twelve teams that that go to the postseason, and maybe ten or eleven that have winning records. Like it's Missouri and Vanderbilt, and that's it that are at the bottom. Everybody else, I think, is going to a bowl game, including Auburn. Um, I like, I think Ole Miss is at the bottom of that group as well. Um, just above Auburn, because I just, I think you're asking a whole lot of a roster. That's just not all that complete and depth, not much on defense. They're using the portal. I'm not sure what they have at quarterback. I just think LSU, Mississippi state and Arkansas are, are the three that are right there. My ballot went Bama one, A&M two. I have Arkansas at three. I have Mississippi state at four LSU at five, but here's the thing. I would say Kentucky. Tennessee, LSU, Mississippi State, and Arkansas will all be eight and four. Wow, that would be that would be impressive. I mean, considering you know schedules taken into play, you know playing each other and stuff. I think that would be. I, I think you're looking at outside of Ohio State and maybe Michigan, the the best teams in college football. I mean, like if you were to do ten of them, in my opinion, eight of them would be. SEC teams. <laughs> I I now now you're gonna get like my college football nerd to come out a little bit. I think there are lots of really good football teams elsewhere. The question is we don't know how good they are. And I, I agree with you in that any of these teams, AM in particular, but t- if Tennessee has that nine and three, ten and two type of season, they're top ten. If Kentucky has that, I think there's a chance Kentucky has one loss going into the Georgia game with a chance to win the division, and then they get stomped by Georgia. And they finish 10 and 2 again, and maybe they lose to Tennessee. But again, that would put them top 10. If Arkansas finishes with nine or 10 wins, that could be a top 10 team. I do think you, the three teams in the Pac 12, USC, Utah, and Oregon, are very good. I think Notre Dame is very good. I think NC State and Clemson are both very, very good in the ACC. 
Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the top three in the Big 12. But like we don't know if any of those teams are one loss good and playoff good. They could all be like two or three loss good, and that would put them in the same category as some of these teams we're, we're talking about in the SEC. They're, this is one of the like least parity years because it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State at the top like with a bullet. But after that, four through like 25 is all really fun and interesting. And I think we're in for like great college football. I think it's going to be a tremendous college football season. I don't know if it's because I've done this show and we've talked more SEC football than I have really ever in my life since <laughs> since I probably graduated college. But you got me hype. I'm hyped for this all college right. football season. You got you got me. Right. I'm I'm hooked. I'm probably going to watch a lot more college football than I ever have. It's really going to make Lauren mad on Saturdays, but you know, that's just, that's just the the job, right? Yeah. I know. I've told when my wife and I started dating in 2013, early in January, I said, no one's ever made it past week 10, hon. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and she got me a gift card in week 10 and said, look, I made it. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Great, great question here from, from Stony Keeley, which teams are most well-equipped to dethrone Alabama and Georgia from a matchup standpoint. Um, this is a tricky question. Um, nationally it's Ohio state. That's it. Like if, if they get to the playoff and they're that good, the only team that I think can beat them is Ohio state. The only other team I would put in there is Clemson because they have the best defensive line in America. And if the quarterback works and develops, I don't know if you saw the clip of Dabo Sweeney from media days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody thinks he's old slap dick and <laughs> like Dabo went off. It was great. Uh, he's wearing milk bone underwear and people are chomping at him everywhere he goes. I'm like, only a Southern football coach can can say that like right off the cuff. Um, I think Clemson could hang in a game with one of those guys. But in nationally, it's nobody else in the SEC. It's it's the one game situation, right? It's the uh, Arkansas is not going to beat Alabama in the division. But could they beat him at home in Fayetteville on October 1st while they're looking ahead to A&M? Maybe they, they only lost by seven last year. Um, and with Georgia, same thing. They're going to play Florida and then they're going to play Tennessee late in the year. And then the very next week, they're going to go to Mississippi state cowbells, will Rogers, air raid, Mike Leach, really good football team at home. Almost, you know, played very well against Georgia last year or two years ago. To me, those are the two games I'd keep an eye on. And then at Kentucky for Georgia as well at the end of the year, I'm less worried about that one because Kentucky plays the same style. And I don't think you can beat Georgia playing the same style. I think Alabama showed us in the championship game last year, you got to sling it around. And I think that's why Mississippi State could beat them. Um, but that's it. Like in the SEC, I, I don't, I don't like, again, I think Alabama is going to murder people. It is, it is not going to be fun to watch their games. Like you might enjoy it. I'll I mean, enjoy it. You'll enjoy the first half, maybe. Like, do you, yeah. do, you, do you actually enjoy the game when it's like 38 to nothing in the third quarter? Like, are you, it depends on who they're playing. <laughs> so if, they, if it's 38 to zero against UT or if it's 38 to zero against Auburn, Auburn or, yeah. you know, LSU people that I know where I, I talk to regularly who are fans of, of the opponent, then yes, you want to talk to them all in. I, I'll, I'll watch yeah. the whole game, but if it's yeah. like, you know, 38 to zero against, um, they, they Vanderbilt, I'm out by like, I'm out by, I may not even watch a Vanderbilt versus Alabama game. Like they, they yeah, starts. no, no, they, um, that's like a mercy killing. They, yeah. they play at LSU and at Ole Miss. Like, I don't think Ole Miss even has a prayer. And so that's one of those games. I do think the LSU game could be, could be mildly interesting because they just play LSU plays So up to Alabama, no matter how yeah. good they are. And I think that could be tricky, but I'm telling y'all like, this is, this is, Outside of like, I don't even have a question about their roster. Like, there's not even a like, 
maybe left tackle, maybe corner. I, I don't even know what to ask about Alabama. I think they're going to murder people. Well, speaking of murdering, I think everybody has murdered this topic and it's in the grave. Because to yeah, me, NIL and expansion is getting so stale because nobody has an answer. Nobody has a clear path. There's nothing to really talk about. It's like almost like until something happens, there's no reason to talk about these topics anymore. I think NIL, you're absolutely right on. People are tired of it. Our eyes have been glazing over for months. Every single coach and, and, and people in the ACC and the Big 12 did this as well at their media events. Greg Sankey's done it. Nick Saban did it this week. Like I heard Kirby Smart talking about it. I heard everybody talk. It's like, but they're all it, saying the same thing. And here's the problem, though. You're exact. They say, well, all we want is uniformity and transparency. Let's all play by the same rules, which is basically all they've said the entire time. They just did it with like more colorfully. Um, I did like Jimbo Fisher saying our our everybody's got these little things in life, but ours just went public from the guy who called the press conference to make yeah, it right. go public. Um, I thought that was funny, but no one offers a solution like they they they. They offer like a broad strategic solution, but they don't offer the specifics of how it would work. And that's the problem. And uh, check out an interview I did with Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated on the YouTubes. He talks about like how Congress, like Greg Sankey is trying to get Congress involved in this. And I just, uh, my head starts to hurt immediately when I hear that. Yeah. Um, but, he, but he explains why that's maybe the only direction that this, at least he was trying to present a solution, right? right? Um, no, none of these people have solutions. So I'm with you on that. It's done. It's it's sort of like a murder topic. When you talk to the players about it, it's fascinating. Like Hendon Hooker's, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit later on. But Hendon Hooker's got a book. He's day he's day trading. Will Anderson's launching a company to help protect athletes. Like there's lots of cool stuff that the players are doing. The people in charge just want to bitch about it, and they don't have they have no answers. Expansion is a little different. Expansion to me, when you look at numbers on like podcasts and you look at numbers on TV ratings and on like expansion plays and exp people like to talk about expansion because it affects everybody. The problem is it comes in, in these, when these waves, right? We get it, we get a big piece of news and then we want to know what does it all mean? And then after a few days of no news, it's like, all right, can we talk about football now again, please? Exactly. And, and that, that's what happened at media days by about Wednesday. We were all like, like, can we argue about who finishes second in the East now, please? Like, but there's going to be some news. Um, from what I understand, there's going to be some news. The Big 12 wants to swallow as much of the Pac-12 as they can. The Big 10's Big in on this as well. The Oregon and Washington are not waiting around. I think the big boys are still set. The question is what happens out west? And I think that could then trigger some more movement. But until that happens, there's nothing really to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I think the guessing game is fun for like the, the what ifs. What if this happens or right. what if this happens is fun after the first set of news breaks. And then it's like... Okay, nothing's really happening. You're you're yeah. exactly right. Nothing's really happening. And then it's like we spent like 20 minutes talking about, you know, Notre Dame, or we spent 20 minutes yeah. talking about what's going to happen with the rest of the Pac-12. And then for weeks, we don't get answers. Yeah. And then it will suddenly explode. Yep. And then we'll do the same. We'll be in a cycle again. It's a cycle for the expansion talk. And you and you asked me, I think it was like three weeks ago, right when the USC UCLA stuff broke, you were like, What what do you think is gonna happen? And I was like, nothing. And you were like, oh, really? <laughs> like you, you don't think it? I was like, no, SEC, Big Ten, Notre Dame, they're not doing anything uh, for a while. I, I, I have, I'm not going to say like sources and I'm not reporting this. Th there will be movement west of the Mississippi, I think, sooner rather than later. I think mid-August would be my guess. Um, so I think we're a couple of weeks away from this. But the Pac-12 right now is in the middle of their negotiating window. And they're going to have to have some pretty big decisions made in the next two to three weeks 
So I would say look look at mid-August for some the next round of news, maybe earlier. And then after that, there could be some ripple effects. But I still don't think the SEC is doing anything. I think the SEC is staying right where they are for a while. Well, we'll go from west of the Mississippi to east of the Mississippi and talk about the how the volunteers are super relaxed and confident this year, which we, we've alluded to on this show that they have every reason to be relaxed and confident. Maybe... Maybe not relaxed, but they should have everything to be confident in because they have Hinton Hooker coming back. They have Josh Heupel's system, Coach Josh. They have all this stuff that is going to carry over from last year and build upon this year. I I still think that they have a good shot of being kind of the upset pick for to even beat Georgia in, in become first place in the 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 East. I, I know I'm alone <laughs> in that. No, I think I, they, I think they could beat Georgia in the game. Maybe, yeah. It's a it's a long shot. It's in Athens. I don't think they're. I, I think you're underestimating how good Georgia is and overestimating how deep Tennessee's defense is. And that and that could entirely be. I, I you you got the vibe that they were kind of feeling the same way. Are you okay with them being relaxed? What does relaxed mean, and can that be a negative? It, it can be not in this case. Like to yeah. me, it's quiet confidence versus like lackadaisical lack of interest you know like there's a difference between those two things and i it is all because of josh heupel and i asked cedric tillman this i asked tendon hooker this i asked josh heupel this why is the communication working i I am fascinated with like this goes to Vrabel and the titans too like why does it work why does it land on people why does it get through why does the message work I'm, i'm fascinated by that type of leadership i know you're a big leadership guy too and I asked Heupel and his his response, he goes, look, the first the first meeting we had, the very first meeting I had with my players, we spent an hour and a half and all I did was ask them questions and listen to their answers. And then we we solved, we, I listened to every problem they had. We addressed them early in the first few months that I was on the job. And, and then Cedric Tillman, I, same question for him, wide receiver. And he goes, Josh Heupel has 10, 15 minute personal conversations with every player whenever you need to all throughout the season, off season. And he specifically said, if more coaches would do this, they would be more successful. <laughs> and I was like, what a novel concept. Just talking to your people. It's it's amazing. So all of that to say, they're they're just like in it they're, together. They're, in. they're they're bought in. They're they're in it together. Their offense like went from 23 points to 38 points a game last year. I don't know how much better they're going to get. But they're very confident. They know exactly who they are on offense. They're going to score a boatload of points. I think 32 to 35 per game automatically, even against the good teams. That That is the confidence there. The defense is totally different. <laughs> There's two good edge rushers, and that's about it. We don't know who's going to play in the middle. Jeremy Banks is a nice piece, but there's not a lot of linebacker depth. There's we The safeties are okay. There's no cornerback depth. Like We don't know anything about the defense, and they've got a they got to play at Pittsburgh, at LSU, Florida, Georgia, at South Carolina late is a tricky, sneaky game. Kentucky's really good on offense. Like, So they're just looking to probably outscore their opponents this year more yeah. so than stop their opponents. I, I, I think that's sort of Josh's plan all the time, every year. But they're, this is why they have to recruit the way they're recruiting is they've got to get dudes on defense. And until that happens, I, I'm not picking them to, to challenge that 10-2 and two mark. But hey, if it happens... It's because of the culture, and I know that's a cliche, but we we give Rabel credit for this. I think Sam Pittman deserves credit for this. Mark Stoops at Kentucky deserves credit for this. Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Like when you get people to buy in, 
man, you, you can do things. And they are just relaxed. They're confident. They know who they are. They, they look like they're working together and they care about each other, un, unlike the previous guy who just destroyed everybody and broke, you know, like Jeremy Pruitt would just destroy you on the sideline if you like dropped a pass. And like right. you, you were... It's just not the way you work. And he, and I he think, would destroy you if he sneezed in a right. in a meeting. I mean, right. like he was I never liked the Jeremy Pruitt hire for Tennessee. And I'll be honest, I was kind of dismissive of Coach Josh's hire until I until I see it. Like that was the thing is that you know, UT fans would always hype up these coaches and then they would eat flame out. I kind of I bought into what Coach Josh is selling after a season and seeing this offseason work. There is nothing that Jeremy Pruitt ever did for to me for me to ever buy in for him, no. and I I thought the same thing when he was defensive coordinators. You know, here in you know in Alabama, I said when he got the job over there, it's like he's always kind of been successful with other people's players. Yep. I've never I don't know if this guy can recruit and if this guy can coach and be a player's coach, which oftentimes has to work. In, in a college level. And I think it's also interesting the difference in Josh Heupel getting people to buy in and Coach Vrabel getting people to buy in. Because I feel like Coach Vrabel's like, we're going to win. This is the way. <laughs> buy in or get out. Yeah, and that's Coach true. Josh is like, we'll be fine. You know, he's like kind of like your hippy dippy. It's like Coach, a military Coach, dad and a hippy dad. It's Coach Dad for sure. There's no, yeah. there's, you, you were right on about that all along. Uh, I'll give you one really. This is a deep nugget for those of you who watch, and and this is why we, we hope that you watch. I heard an this is off the record, not off the record, but like on background, not official. I heard a story about Jeremy Pruitt trying to get a head coaching job by going through the governor's office to fire the head coach of a university. What? <laughs> <laughs> what a that, weirdo! That, that is that's. I say that not to like break news. That's not the point because it's not yeah. really. I can't. Uh, you know, the the point is, and again, purely just a story, allegedly, allegedly, as we say. Um, but it just sort of paints the picture of who he is. Again, he was just a. He's just not a fully formed adult. I don't know. Like yeah. like like Josh Heupel is a fully formed adult. I will say my opinion on Josh Heupel as the head coach of Tennessee has not officially changed. I think he's a I think he's a solid good football coach who's going to make them better right away, which we saw. The offense is going to work most of the time, but unless they have players that match Alabama and Georgia's caliber, he is not the guy to win championships at Tennessee. That has been my I question his upside. That has always been my my stance on him. So far he has done everything right and they are very 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 confident yes, offensive team. We have can because it's UT football. Okay. So there's a big difference between the football worlds of Kentucky and the football world of Tennessee. Uh, can he kind of be like a Mark Stoops kind of coach where he's like there for 10 years, but never really wins the big games? Or will UT football run him out of town, even with winning, winning records and success by year five of his coaching career if he doesn't produce some no. kind of tangible? progression into the college football playoffs no i think you got to win the division you got to show com competitive balance with the bet the best teams in the sec because again the difference between kentucky and tennessee is like the resources yeah the, the commitment the facilities like all of that for kentucky was atrocious when mark stoops got there it is better but it's still not even close to what tennessee brings to the table again hype recruiting very well right now you need like four of those classes before you're going to be as good as georgia or, or alabama so like the upside, I could totally be proven wrong, and he could win divisions and get the team into the playoff and compete for SEC championships. But I need to see that part of it. 
I am seeing what I thought I knew about him, which is he's a professional adult coach who treats people well and is going to get the offense going right away. We've seen that, and let's see how high that can take him. But the only way to get to that top tier is to have dudes on defense that are the same as Alabama and Georgia. And until they've got three classes of that, they're not going to win the SEC East. Do you, how, how, what is the leash for both these coaches? Cause I know that's not the topic, but I wanted to ask this earlier when we were talking about Kentucky and I forgot, what is the leash on both these coaches? I mean, Kentucky, Mark Stoops, there's no, he's not even on a leash. Like he's, he, to, he's like there for, he could be coach for life. If he, he wanted to, he's like the, he's like the, the border collie that has the run of the farm. Like there's no leash. There's no fence. He's never going to like, he'll just run around as much as he wants. Uh, I think the only way he leaves Kentucky is if he goes to Iowa, he's an Iowa alumni. Kirk Ferentz is the longest tenured coach in college football. He's got like 23 years there. If, and when Iowa and Kurt, if, 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 and when Kurt Ferentz ever wants to retire, Mark Stoops could go there. I think he's got no leash. I don't think he's on a leash. Hypel, I don't know. I think right now he's fine. It's really long. They're going to have a good year this year. Once he has to replace Hendon Hooker, we'll see how good Nico Iamaleava is. We'll see how good the defense starts to get. You know, can they keep recruiting this way? Like everything's on the right track. Um, yeah. But so was so was Butch Jones. Like Butch Jones went from five to seven to nine wins in his three years, and everyone's like, all right, and recruited well. So we've seen the story before. I just think we need to, there, there's a lot more substance with Josh. I, I don't think, you know, Butch was a, a shyster car salesman. Josh is a pretty genuine dude. So it's, it's about the upside for him. That's the question. Yeah. I, I think, th I think four years from now, like his fourth season, if they have yet to get to 10 wins, that's when the leash gets a lot shorter. Well, let's talk about student athletes who they basically were stealing the show all week. In your opinion, you, yep. you brought it, earlier Hendon Hooker's book what is this about so this is the case every year they are the best part of the event period full stop it's not the coaches blathering on on radio stations it's not them arguing with each other it's not Greg Sankey's statements it's not NIL or expansion or the order of finish it's none of that crap the best part of the event is the players period full stop and Hendon Hooker is publishing a, a, a book a child a children's book about his faith with his father he is a day trader um, with like some of the, he's teaching kids about financial principles. Like this is an extraordinary young dude who cares deeply about his teammates, his community, his family. It's just like, he, he <laughs> I, I just am blown away by the level of accomplishment. Some of these guys have, um, you know, Will Anderson, who's the, the world's best defensive player and, and arguably one of the, the highest graded out defensive prospects in modern NFL history has didn't do a lot of NIL last year and now has gotten into NIL but to help other athletes manage NIL. So he launched his own company. And again, if you want to hear some of these guys talk about this stuff, head over to the, you, you know, if you're on the YouTube page, um, I've got some clips from all these athletes talking about this stuff. He's launched a company to try to help players navigate the space and look out for other players that again, right now it's pretty predatory. Like if you sign a contract, how do you, how does, I mean, I, I need a lawyer to sign a contract. We all need lawyers to sign contracts. So I think the players, are just extraordinary. We talked a little bit about the Bannister kid from Missouri, you know, bumper pool at Arkansas, had a chance to talk to him. Like Cedric Van Pran, the offensive lineman for Georgia is wait, wait, wait. Is is that his nickname? Bumper no, pool? No, no. That's his that and actually Jalen. Oh uh, well, we know where his parents conceived him at. <laughs> Jalen, yeah, it was underneath a pool table at a, at, at uh down down underneath the ML Rose pool hall. <laughs> shout out free shout for another sponsor. Um no, I think uh, <laughs> Jalen oh, Rose has a pool hall. No, remember the old Melrose underneath? Like it's oh, it, I didn't it, know that. Um, so 
Jalen Catalan is a really good player for Arkansas, the safety. And he was asked, like, when did you learn that that was his government name? <laughs> like, that was his government issued name, Bumper Pool. Uh, but again, he's like, I, you know, I grew up in Texas and we hate Texas. And but, you know, he again talked about Sam Pittman and how he communicates and says, you know, he comes into a room and he completely commands a room and we 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 would go to war for this guy and um, it's because he go go to war for us and again uh, Derek Hall the the Auburn offense defensive lineman one of the best defensive linemen in the league talked about how he had to wit- he had to deal with all the is Brian Harson getting fired stuff and he goes yeah we me and a couple players went into the office during to try to pr- convince the ads and the presidents to keep Brian Harson because of the kind wow. of guy he is like these guys are extraordinary that's, a, that's, that's kind of like big news to me. Like, well, it was. I think it was. I think it was kind of out there that it had happened. Like a few players went. He didn't get into the details of it, which I respect. But he basically like offered the type of wisdom you only get like when you're like 40 years old. He goes, "Man, yeah. we just learned as a team how fast it's all going to go. How quickly anything you love can be taken away from you." It, you know, like he just was. He had great perspective on life and about his career at Auburn. And again, I can keep going like the number of guys that just are extraordinary. Again, Cedric Tillman for Tennessee talking about like, hey, if more coaches just talk to their players and had conversations with them about their lives and about what's going on and about good and the bad, like they'd be more successful. B.J. Ojolari, the defensive end for LSU, is giving advice to reporters. That's like really sound like, hey, just get to know us and build a relationship and then we'll help you out. Like these guys are just Stetson and Stetson Bennett, man. Stetson Bennett is a he is a cocky, arrogant little dude, but but I think it's because he deserves to be and people keep disrespecting him. And he's just like, I can't deal with that. I can't worry about it. I, you know, I proved I I led two scoring drives against Alabama in the fourth quarter of the national championship game for a national title, a ring for the first time in 40 years for Georgia. And people are still asking questions. I can't do anything about it. And and so he's you know, he has a right to be, you know, pretty confident and cocky. And, um, these guys are, the personalities are great. The, the thoughtfulness is great. They're just so, I just wish sec football coaches allowed them to talk. (laughs) I just, I wish we could have access to them as media to tell their stories. And, and then maybe we wouldn't have like asthma gate, you know, when they get to the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we go from basically good personalities to a boring personality, and is yeah. Clark Lee a life model decoy? Now you're you're not big into Marvel and all that stuff. A oh, life okay. model decoy is basically a robot that is more advanced and sophisticated, where it's essentially human. It passes all the okay. metal detector tests, all the tests that you would, you know. Essentially is this a Tony need. Stark invention? Uh, no, it's technically Shield. They, they okay, may have, it may come from his father Howard Stark, but oh. it is a uh, is a Shield thing. See, so, I know a little. I know a little bit. You do know a little bit. I mean, you know Tony Stark. I think that's you know <laughs> you know Tony Stark built a robot suit, and I think that you just made that connection. Um, but they basically replace humans, and uh, yeah. until no, you good. actually kill one, you never know it's a robot. So, jeez, is Clark Lee? A life model decoy. There's a there's a chance. Um, here's the thing with Clark Lee. He, I think his message is full of substance. I think his leadership is full of substance. I think how he wants to execute his plan is full of substance and real stuff. And I think it lands probably extremely well in the meeting room. I think one-on-one with players, it probably works really, really well. I think it works really, really well with the team. But there is no public flash at all to it that gets you excited. 
that he just doesn't have the ability to go off script. He doesn't have the ability to sort of just like be himself and like all these ball coaches who are just like old dads can like riff, you know, and they can kind of sell you on a, on a vision and they can get you excited and energized about stuff. You know, Josh Heupel does it pretty well. Sam Pittman does it great. Shane Beamer is like the epitome of this. I don't know Shane about Shane Beamer really stole some hearts. This uh, yeah. we'll talk about in the next yeah. topic, but he really stole some hearts. We'll, we'll talk about how much substance is there. That's the question. Yeah. Um, that it's the opposite with Clark Lee. He just, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. He doesn't know how to project it out into the public. And that's what you kind of need to do to get people excited about your program at this particular event. It is not what's going to help you win games. So let's be right. clear. It's not that important, but he just, he's, he's I don't know if he's, ever going to loosen up and just sort of be himself. I mean, if they win like five or six games, maybe he is more confident next I year. I remember when he but. first got hired and he was on radio shows, he was kind of a, a, a good interview and uh, it just seems like, and he wasn't boring. It's you got to like, ask the right question. You got to ask yeah. the right question. So, so it's kind of like Vrabel. You can get Vrabel talking if you ask the right questions. Except right. for Vrabel's always entertaining, whether he's mad, yeah. angry, yeah. or whatever. No, I, I've interviewed Clark on, on radio, and I could like hear him through the radio start to smile when we started talking about like leadership books and like because he hands out he's got like a huge library that he gives to all his players. And like if I if you're going through something in your life as a player on or off the field, I've got something to help you with that is sort of his model. And that's re again, that's really good substantive stuff. It doesn't until you get him talking about that stuff. He's just like, we're, we're building a program with players from the ground up. We're going to tear them down. And we had to go through this this thing last year that was really tough to begin. We, we tore the house down to the studs and now we're going to rebuild it. And this is going to be great for the program. And then we're going to keep working. And we know it's going to be hard. And it's just like they're like I, he's just reading off the paper and he's got to do a little bit. You got to be a little bit more than that. Um, I, his comment that caught a lot of flack was we're, we're going to be the best program in the country. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I think I know like what he means is we play in the best conference in America. We play in You get to live in Nashville, Tennessee. You get to get a degree from Vanderbilt University. Like I get the argument of why it could be perceived as one of the, the great like all around places to be an athlete. Um, but like like actual wins on the field. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. Going from Debbie Downer to the life of the party. Now, I probably should have phrased this differently. Does South Carolina have Brayden excited? Let's just forget that the why is there because you put out a tweet asking a question in similar fashion. Yeah. You know, why is there, is it just all Shane Beamer hype? Is it everybody falling in love with him as a coach? Why is South Carolina? I think out of all the teams that were in attendance at media days, all the SEC teams, nobody helped their stock more in the public eye yep. than South Carolina. I, I would agree with that. And it's because he is the opposite of Clark Lee when it comes to presenting himself. He is. He's on. He's got the best TikTok game. He's got the best speech game. He's got the best rah-rah game. Like He's got all of it. The question is how much of it is substantive behind the scenes in, in the program. They were way ahead of schedule last year. They won six games. They they should they could have they could have won three games last year. They they lost to Vanderbilt in the final, or they beat Vanderbilt basically on the last drive. They beat East Carolina basically on the last drive. They got Auburn when they were trying to fire a coach. They got Florida when they did fire a coach. I, they also could have won a couple of other games. Like it was a crazy crazy team to watch. And people love Spencer Rattler. He is the he is arguably the most talented quarterback in the history of South Carolina football, and he has not thrown a pass for them yet. So 
that that is there's there's substance there with Spencer Rattler. Very good tight end group. They're going to be good. They're going to be better on offense. So I went in thinking four and eight for South Carolina. Last year was a bit of a mirage. A lot of people are talking like eight and four competing with Tennessee and Kentucky in the East. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. So while I've increased my value on South Carolina, six and six probably is where I'm at now. I think they've separated themselves from Missouri pretty clearly. I think they're closer to Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky than I thought. And that's that's why I've moved them up in my head. But I haven't changed their ranking in the East. I had them fifth going in. I've still got them fifth coming out. But you're right. They're the, the, the team that helped itself the most was and and that was the most buzzy behind the scenes where everyone's talking about everything's going on, like coaches, players, ADs, media people. South Carolina is a team that sort of people are buzzing about, and I'm just not ready yet to to say that they're as good as Kentucky or Tennessee or or it, maybe Florida. It reminds me of the 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 off season for the NFL when teams are hyping up the Browns or <laughs> they're hyping up the Jaguars a couple of years ago after they they went to the championship game in 2017, and even now they, they how they hype up the Colts. The, people aren't infatuated with the personality of maybe ownership or the coaches or what yeah. what have you. And they, I think they, uh, kind of like a car salesman, I think they get a little bit of pizzazz and they're like, oh, these guys are going to be good. I, I think that's fair. I think that's right. And again, Spencer Rattler, the, the, he is sort of the deciding factor here. Much like Anthony Richardson for, for Florida, if he has great your point about Florida being a, the number two team in the East is possible because Anthony Richardson could be that special. Um, if Spencer Rattler is sort of lives up to the hype of his talent and they can maximize his ability, then South Carolina is really dangerous. Again, they play Tennessee late in the year at home. That's a really dangerous game if Spencer Rattler is real good. But he, uh, why would he be better with a lesser offense in a lesser system in a tougher conference and a tougher schedule. Like that, that's my question is why, if he couldn't do it with Lincoln Riley's offense in with Oklahoma's players in the big 12 against big 12 defenses, why would he, why, why would it translate? But, but the he only, was, the only way it could translate is if he matures in his approach to the game and, uh, you know, on the sidelines and in his leadership, because he was a, he was a immature mess over in Oklahoma. So yeah. Can can he put together can he he and Shane Beamer's personalities mesh well enough to where he's going to live up to the expectations that were on him but yeah. just in an entirely different setting. Well, and he Shane Beamer, if you don't know, Shane Beamer recruited him to Oklahoma. He was on the staff, so they have a very deep relationship, so that's part of why he's there. Um and to be honest, it also could be the reason he lost his job at Oklahoma. It could very much be Caleb Williams is the the best quarterback in America. Like that's right. That, that's yeah, there's also some perspective and context there as well. So I do think again, he is the most talented, probably most talented, physically gifted quarterback South Carolina's ever had. And if he can maximize that, then I can see why people are buying in. I'm just sort of in wait and see mode on that, even though I've bumped them up in my head a couple of wins. I went from like four or five wins to probably six or seven wins. Um, but I don't know what that means in the standings. I think the they're a firm fifth. I, d I just don't see them being any better than fifth in the conference. Uh, that's fair. Or the division, I guess. Yep. Well, you've been consuming SEC information all week. News, you know, interviews, all that kind of stuff. Do you have any questions? And oh. uh, do you have any questions for me on what happened in Titans world? Oh, I can't wait for this. We'll do rapid fire. Okay. Okay. How concerned are you that Sam Pittman is talking about things that we talked about six months ago? Uh, not concerned uh, about that he is talking about it. 
And I think there is a huge difference because I said this. It's not a big Traylon Burks right now. His conditioning is not a big concern to me. Does not mean I don't have some concern. It's not no concern. It's just not a big concern. It's not new concern. It's not it's new the concern. Same concern. The same concerns that we talked about that. <laughs> right. We're going to have to see it in training camp. Right. I'll grow concern in training camp when certain things are, are being not done or done by the staff and their decisions and what he does on the field. It's just hard for me to, it's hard for me to just like overreact just because they lost AJ yeah. Brown. And that's really what it ties back into. Oh, they lost AJ Brown. And I see a lot of people still saying, Isaiah Wilson, Isaiah Wilson, Isaiah oh God, Wilson. Stop. This is just not the same no. guy as no. Isaiah Wilson. No, it's it's not just even... not. And and someone asked uh, Tic Tac Titans asked who does the Lockdown Titans podcast network asked, well, have you met him? Well, I don't. And I responded, I don't have to meet him because I have he is <laughs> donuts in the middle of Charlotte late at night. He isn't <laughs> right. running cops. He isn't getting DUIs. You know, he's not drinking lean and putting it on Instagram and TikTok. He's eating a yeah. bag of Doritos on the boat. That's what he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I that's to me, that's it's, it's insane to compare the two. Uh, it's, it's I, absolutely I, did, insane. I think this was Mike Herndon, of course, your your former co-host at F Words Pod. By the way, um, check out the F Words Pod. I, I think he was talking about how far we've come as a as the Titans fans have come in, in terms of like celebrating Taze Sharp and Richard Matthews and then now we're wringing our hands over Robert Woods and Traylon Burks. Like, where's the perspective here, Titans fans? Like, what are y'all dog? What are y'all talking about? And, and um, I'm going to put out a, a question out today because I'm, it's kind of like a trap. I'm trapping people. Oh, I like it. I'm going to put Ryan Tannehill stats up, and we're going to do a game of over and under <laughs> because if they people, if the majority of people choose over, then the majority of the people we do not miss AJ Brown. It, like, Austin, right? That's how I. That's just how right, I think right. about it. And now Austin, I've just ruined it, but. Austin Hooper and Hassan Haskins can't catch all of the passes. Right. <laughs> like that, that's not the thing. So you would are so in theory, you're making the case that your concern is a grower, not a shower, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's right. just like, okay, I I at this point, I just don't see the reason to be extreme on one side or the other. I'd like to be reasonable and rational. And listen, maybe that doesn't sell listens and clicks. Maybe I need to, you know, go back to where, you know, a couple of years ago where I was talking about, you know, I don't know, something hy hyperbolic and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's just let I'll be concerned when there is an actual tangible yeah, reason yeah. to be concerned. So um, how upset were you that Adoree Jackson just railroaded his former coach? Well, he didn't. And I wasn't that upset. And I think I think people misconstrued why I put that up. And then you see all these other websites and everything. You know, they would have never have known that that would have happened if I hadn't tweeted that how, stuff. How could how could that tweet that you posted be misconstrued? Like I don't I I, don't I, even... I didn't say give my opinion one way or the other. I just I stated the facts. And I know. <laughs> I know. And so they go back and probably listen to it, which is probably going to be one of Steve Smith's highest rated uh, shows in Tennessee when they go look at the demographics. <laughs> and to be honest, I would have never known about it if someone else hadn't told me about it that listens to that podcast regularly. So yeah, I, I didn't even know Steve Smith had a podcast until then. And now I, I, I will say this. I may listen again. It's just a poorly produced podcast. Ooh. I didn't really like it. But um, I, what's the like these players in the NFL like Tyreek Hill's doing this, too, which, first of all, he's a piece of shit, but whatever. Yeah, like, he, he's saying some wild stuff like, that he's not going to be able to get out of later if it right. doesn't work. 
And, like, he's, and he's contradicting himself. Like, like from month to month, I see like a, a, a pull quote from his show, and it's like, Tua is the greatest ever. And then the next month, it's like, this is the last chance for Tua. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what? Who, who, first of all, you punched your pregnant girlfriend. I don't care what you have to say. In right. the stomach. What's wrong with you? Anyway, all right. I don't really have any Jackson, He didn't really bash anybody. He just said, no. we didn't mesh. And then Steve Smith with it went on this rant about Bill Belichick coaching tree and all this stuff. And like <laughs> Dory Jackson just sat there and listened to it. And um, like he kind of, I'm going to work coaching. on an article about that's going to be out next week about the coaching tree of Mike Vrabel, where who's coaching tree is a part okay. of and all this okay. stuff. I'm, I he is not a an, part of the Belichick coaching tree. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm going to, we'll, we'll get there. I'm not going to spoil what I'm going to write. I don't want to spoil it because I'm going to write it. Oh, but God, I think that people are misconstrued and have a misconception about what Mike Vrabel's coaching tree looks like. And I also think that Adore Jackson, we knew Adore Jackson just confirmed what we essentially could put together and piece together from the last two seasons that he was in Nashville. Yeah. Like he just sits there and listens. He's a, he's, he has a lackadaisical approach to football and yeah. he relies too much on his, and he's got an easy breezy West coast attitude yeah. to the detriment yeah. of his football talent. Okay. And that's okay. If <laughs> right, that's how right. he wants to play, that's how he wants to play. But I think it says good things about Mike Vrabel and the staff that they're going to take a chance on people with that kind of attitude. If they feel that there's enough talent there to try to bring them out. I, I go back to Vic Beasley. I think, that they knew of all the issues surrounding Vic Beasley. They knew of all the issues surrounding Isaiah Wilson. And I think that ultimately the risk they felt that the risk and to the reward is great because they've, they have seen that their system works nine times out of 10. Yeah, I I agree. I don't really have any other Titans questions. Um, If you want to listen to Zach explain a whole lot more about Adoree Jackson, go check out the F words pod. I know you guys talked about it. Oh my gosh, me and Justin Graver, Titans film room. I didn't realize how many different topics we hit until I was trying to build the tweet and build the article. I was like, man, we (laughs) had so many topics in just an hour and it did not feel like an hour. Yeah, it it helped me in the airport when I was delayed four hours coming home. And it's also why I'm on my third cup of coffee. Uh, And uh, there you go. Okay, so huge Titans camp preview coming up next week of course he's report today friday Ooh, baby it's gonna be a lot of fun football is here folks when media days are done and camp opens in the nfl college and pro football is here we are weeks away from pads popping it's gonna be a lot of fun cannot wait uh make sure you tune on turn on all the notifications the youtube page check out our great sponsors of course buildkg.com is the website for the kingston group broadway sports media 440 sports check out the youtube page again All of the interviews from SEC Media Days are up there. Lots of players, lots of media folks that are up there. So go check that out. Uh, For Zach, I'm Braden. Anything else? No, I think we're good. Back in studio on Monday. So otherwise, have a great great weekend, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. My name is Braden Gall. His name is Zach. We'll be back next week. This has been a football show.